It's Andy in the morning. Hey, it's Magic 95.1 WAJI here on a Tuesday, Groundhog Day. Just announced Puxatani Phil saw his shadow, which is bad, because that means six more weeks of winter. But by the way, it's so, so confusing. Uh, the legend, again, if it's sunny out there, you think that would be a sign of spring. No, he sees the shadow, gets scared, and winter resumes for six more weeks. So... Anyway, that was just uh, announced just a few minutes ago. Let's get to what's trending with our news. Here we go. The Indiana State Department of Health yesterday reports that nearly 96,000 Hoosiers ages 65 to 69 took advantage of yesterday where we opened it up for that age demographic in the state and they received to sign up for their first dose of COVID-19. So that was as of 5 o'clock yesterday. Maybe even more had signed up in the overnight. So uh, first day of eligibility, which I think is good to get that many people through. Now, the storyline that we're watching sort of here in the Hoosier state is where do teachers fall on all of this? Will the governor address it on Wednesday? Because yesterday, three Allen County teachers unions started to ask the State Department of Health to declare educators eligible to receive the virus so they can get back to a safer classroom. They also wanted the Allen County Health Commissioner to put teachers on a waiting list to get the left overdoses on any given day. So we'll see what ultimately happens there. Plus, yesterday, for the first time since 2007, Indiana announced that it could increase its cigarette tax by an extra dollar a pack. And it would be the first time that they started charging a similar high tax on vaping liquids. The CDC thinks it's a bad idea to cheer during the Super Bowl, even in your own house. If you watch the Super Bowl with other people from outside your home in yours, they are recommending that you supply noisemakers instead of yelling to cut down on the spread of your droplets across the room. That's what's trending now with our Magic 95.1 news. It's Andy in the morning. It's Magic 95.1. Sam co-hosting from Oregon via Zoom today. A tweet went viral a few days ago when a woman discovered her husband had her in his contacts with her full first and last name. And the woman shared it online because she thought it was strangely formal. So now people started to share how they've listed their significant others or partners in their contacts. And you'll get some fun stories and I'll share mine coming up. But if you have like a funny name or a silly story of your contact information, I'd love to welcome that on the show. 260-467-9500 because I just want everyone to know before we go any further, my wife and I are the strangely formal people. We, Are you really? We we do. It's like full name. It's not even. I mean, I call my wife Mel, but her first name is Melissa. I have uh-huh. it as like Melissa Beckman, and she has me as Andy <laughs> Beckman. But uh, uh, there's a story on one of the Twitter accounts here. Full name for my husband, which I finally changed from OK Cupid Guy Number Three after five <laughs> years of marriage. Five years of marriage. Listen, you don't know if it's going to last. You don't want to change him from OK Cupid guy number three until you know it's going to stick. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so 260-467-9500. Listeners chiming in. Andy, in the morning, hi. Do you have a funny story of how your significant other is listed on your phone? It's formal, um, but I had a, a reason why. Okay. Um, I read on online that people were like trying to like hack phones and stuff like that and ask significant others, like, hey, baby, I forgot you know, the last four digits of the social, or I, you know, I need a copy of your driver's license to sign this up for X, Y, Z. So they were saying that if you had like your spouse in there as like husband, then you opened up 
the opportunity for someone to take advantage of that. But see, when, it's, when I get an anonymous text, it just shows up as their number. It doesn't show up as like husband number two. Well, I'm saying, what if I left my phone at Walmart? Okay. And someone were able to like get into it because... I mean, I'm not got original. It. Got it. So someone steals your so phone. Then, yeah. Okay. Now I got right. it. Right. And okay. that. And then they're. You know. So then they see. Oh, that's husband. You know. And say, hey, husband. Like, you know, I need your driver's license for. You know, we're signing up for Y memberships, or you know, I need your. You know, I need a debit card that you want me to use for this auto pay or whatever. I don't know. That's what the article said, and at the time, it made sense. No, it makes sense to me. So no, thank you for the call, Andy. In the morning, hi. How is your significant other listed in your phone? Go ahead. He is listed as Tom Smoking Hot Hubby because my children think they're funny. So they went in and changed all the names. Um, my husband has my entire name, including my middle name, and a photo he accidentally took of the back of my head is on his phone as the identifier. Uh, Can I just speak up for single people and say I have an area in my phone since I'm not dating anyone that just says your name here. Uh, Andy, in the morning, hi. Uh, How are your names listed on your phone? Sometimes X's can be funny as well on this. Go ahead. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Uh, Regarding significant other names. Yes. My ex, ex, I have his full name. And then I put one of the emojis of the face of a dog. So when I'm talking to Siri, it'll say his name, dog face. I know, that's pathetic, isn't it? it? Well, or smart, you tell me, you know? Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's all part of the healing process. Yep. I swear that if my mom had had cell phones when my parents got divorced, his name would just be Alimony. <laughs> I love it, I love it. It's Andy in the morning. Hey, it's Magic 95.1. Magic trivia this morning. We're playing today for two hot subs from our friends at Penn Station throughout this month. Get a small hot grilled chicken Philly sub for just $4.99. Penn Station. It's all about good taste. Now, this trivia question this morning, somewhere along the line, you're probably going to try to find the right answer. But I also question this. Who has this stat? Who has done this research? The question is 6% of people plan to be naked while doing this this weekend six percent on their taxes <laughs> that's right you know what you know it gets me hot and bothered nice deductions du- without your pants on. uh deductions and my pants yeah exactly you're right <laughs> you're exactly right sam from oregon zooming in co-hosting the show six percent of people plan to be naked while doing this this weekend who has these stats i do not know Andy, in the morning, hi, what's your guess? Watching the Super Bowl. Watching the Super Bowl <laughs> is exactly right. Yay! Yes. Can you believe it? Who wants to watch that thing naked? Better watch where you know. drop your buffalo wings. Who, who is this on the phone? Renee. Renee, can you promise me that at some point you're going to be clothed or no? Is that too big of an ask for the big game? <laughs> I'll be close. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, nothing against uh, that. I just feel like, isn't that where normalcy lives? Who's like, hey, it's kickoff. Let's take everything off. Yeah, that's what I'm, oh, here's my thing. I just hope they put towels down on the couch before they sit. Oh, well, Renee here, if you hang on behind the scenes, we're going to grab some information and we're going to hook you up with uh, two free subs from our friends at Penn Station, okay? Thank you. Hang on. 6% of people plan to be naked while watching the Super Bowl this year. Thank you to each and every one of them that filled out that box on this survey. It's Andy in the morning.
Sandy in the morning. It's Magic 95.1. Sam co-hosting today, zooming in from Oregon. She's a candidate for the job. Katie Law will be back in tomorrow. Caitlin Kendall on Thursday. What you may or may not know about Sam is that her and I sort of share similar sort of career paths in general. Like, um, I, you know, at one point we sort of went the improv route and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you were a, you did it a lot longer than I did. But you worked in improv with Second City up in Chicago. And then oh, for a while you spent about five years in Los Angeles before now you've moved back uh, to be with your mom in Oregon as of right now. But um L.A., you did, I only lasted a year. I only lasted a year. I have a handful of audition stories. I just, I wouldn't say I got homesick, but infest, I just, you know, I needed a support system, and I certainly yeah. didn't have it out there. You, uh, how long How long were you out there? What did you do? Ultimately, I want to get to audition stories. Oh, sure. Yeah, I moved out there right after I finished at Second City. I was at Second City for, like, close to 10 years on a stage there. And then when I had finished there, I decided... You know, I was going to follow the dream to L.A., and I stayed there for five years. Were you, like, sleeping on couches and all the the, the sort of adages of... All right, are you ready for this? I sublet uh, a room in... uh, It was a house that had been divided into four apartments, so that just gives you an idea of how tiny my little apartment was. And I lived with the woman who was the personal assistant to the guy who invented Tai Bo. Remember Tai Bo? Oh, yeah, is that Billy Blanks? Yes, thank you, Billy Blanks. And the apartment itself was infested with crickets. So at night, when I would turn off the lights to go to sleep, you would hear that. Oh, my gosh. Well, oh, yeah. So, but I think, and just in my conversations with you, one of the things mm-hmm. about Second City isn't just being quick on your feet or, or strong-witted when it comes to improv. I really think they stress writing skills. Did you try writing for shows or anything like that? Or was it always like stage acting auditions? Well, it's so interesting that you say that because a couple times... Like a lot of Second City folks, and you could probably speak to this too, you know, the big thing is Mad TV when that was on the air or SNL. And so whenever you would audition for an acting position, you would have to submit writing material. And the thing that would kill me and tell me if this had happened to you, I'd go to auditions and I would pour my soul into them and they would go, that was really good. And you never hear from them again. Yes, that was the best way for them to get you out of the room was to say they liked you. Yeah, you would never get feedback in the moment. Yeah, I only did a handful of auditions truly out there. And, you know, one was for, I think I famously tell the story where I got a couple callbacks for a Mountain Dew commercial. And but I dressed to Midwest because I showed up in like khaki pants and like you would because I just grew up around here. And they're like, when you're auditioning for a job, you dress up. And they're like, well, it's Mountain Dew. It's extreme. Like, we want you in, like, board shorts and spiked hair. And we want you, you know, jumping out of an airplane, you know, with no parachute. That's And so I never (laughs) – and so I got caught dressing wrong for auditions. And so they kicked me out on the spot. I remember the worst audition – well, one of the worst. I mean, how do you narrow it down? But I went in for an audition at Parks and Recreation. Yeah. And you wait for a long time to get in the room. And you're in a room with, like, a 100 women who look exactly like you, who look more like you than you do. Sure. And I went in and I did the audition and the casting director's like, um, no. And I went to leave and then she goes, hang on a second. You have a very annoying voice. I might have another part for you. Go sit outside. I'll come get you later. And did you ever hear from her again? Did you audition? I I got the annoying voice part. And so you were on Parks and Rec? Yeah. Oh, and here's another story. I was on Parks and Rec and initially the script... It was uh, an episode where Ron Swanson wants to connect 
with um, the people of the town. And so he invites them to his office to talk about what they like or grievances. And initially the part had this huge monologue and the night comes when it airs on television. I'm sitting next to my roommate. We have a bowl of popcorn. They had cut that whole monologue down to maybe five seconds of dialogue. It hurts. Literally. It hurts, doesn't it? It kills. And my poor roommate didn't know what to say. She just turned to me and she goes, um, well, your hair looked really good. Oh, man. That is, <laughs> that is brutal. Sam co-hosting today again via Zoom. She's in Oregon right now. Sandy in the morning. Sandy in the morning. It's Magic 95.1. Sam zooming into our show co-hosting from Oregon. This, they say, is the number one thing that keeps us up at night. What is it? The answer? Next day anxiety. Amen. They also said it takes an average of 27 minutes for us to fall asleep each and every night. I'm like, if you want to speed that number up, I've got a couple kids that'll just drain the life out of you. And you'll Do fall asleep. You Go Next ahead. day anxiety? Uh, no. No, but I under, but I have been in jobs where Sunday night in particular is when I think this stat really resonates with people uh-huh. where you have to go not only to another day at your job but another week at a job you don't like. You have, I have, you have trouble terrible anxiety. Terrible. I'm just an anxious person in general, so I don't just have like next day anxiety. I have next week anxiety, next month, next year. If, re- if there's reincarnation, I have anxiety about next life. Do you have, now, now can I ask a personal question? Do you take anything you for it? Anything. Uh, not at the moment, but I will say there have been times because I'm a little high strung yeah, without I've, pharmaceuticals. I've, I've taken some anxiety meds and I don't know that mm-hmm. I've, they've ever really done the trick for me. Yeah. I think my anxiety is so strong, the meds just knock at the door but can't actually get in to do yeah. any work. The average person wakes up in the middle of the night five times a week. Is that true? Gosh, For me, that, it is. Do you, do you wake up a lot? Oh, my gosh. Andy, I constantly have bad dreams. And you want to hear something interesting? I'm not myself in my dreams. Every time I have a dream, I'm a 13-year-old boy. Yet to figure that one out in therapy. I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think that means anything? I mean, seriously, I think, for you to always dream like that recurrently, that yeah. has to be a subliminal thing. I think it's either speaking to my maturity level or my fashion choices. <laughs> it could go either way. <laughs> Half of Americans say they have uh, more stress fueled dreams than ever before for obvious reasons. The one of the things I was lo- fascinated to learn about dreams last year, and I'm not like the big dream analysis guy. Uh, I'm not like I'm going to bring on some dream expert and break down your life like a fortune teller. But I did find this stat about dreams interesting, and I do believe a lot of people have sleep anxiety or next day anxiety. When you start dreaming with people wearing masks, that I thought was really fascinating last year because that's when your reality changes. So you know how we first got used to people wearing masks? So when you start to picture people in your dreams wearing them, that's when it officially becomes your new reality. Oh my gosh. Have you had any dreams where people were wearing surgical masks? And here's the thing. I'm not, I've never, I've never remember my dreams. (gasps) Oh. I just, I never do. I never do. What do you have trouble sleeping with? 
Uh, 54% of people had a hard time sleeping out without their favorite pillow. So a lot of people have a favorite pillow or a favorite blanket. Do you have one of those things? Uh, no, I can I can make just about anything work. <laughs> I, and Here's I, the thing. No joke. I like to sleep with my remote control in the bed with me so I can tell people I don't sleep alone. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. Over a quarter of us can't sleep without our partner lying next to us. My partner is a Samsung television remote control LG. Sam co-hosting via Zoom from Oregon. Obviously, the top story out of Hollywood yesterday was the passing of Dustin Diamond. He knew him as Screech Powers from Saved by the Bell. Passed away of stage 4 lung cancer yesterday at the age of 44. But he just got that diagnosis three weeks ago. According to reports, he wasn't a smoker, and he thought that the cancer may have come from asbestos he'd gotten by staying in seedy hotels while he was on the road. And he had a number of jobs. I knew 15 years ago he came through this station here, trying to be wow. a comedian, had a rough stand-up set at at Snickers because I went and watched. A lot of ridicule. It was just tough to turn the page. Mm-hmm. And so that part, I feel like life was cruel to him for, for many, many years. Uh, here is him describing how he loves acting but could never get another role because he was typecast as Screech and I frankly think all of the Saved by the Bell you know, cast dealt with this exact issue. It's just uh, how do you come off of such a phenomenal you know, phenom role of this uh, Screech character and then break out of that mold and do something different. I had audition and every single time they'd say hey we loved it but we saw too much Screech in it. I'm like well I, I can't change my bone structure I mean what you know how am I what do you want me to do? Of course, mm-hmm. Dustin was also excluded from the reunion skit several years ago with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. I wish I could have been a part of it. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that was going on until it was already done. You know, but uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. I mean, just the wardrobe and seeing the set and everything else, that was, oh, it was fantastic. Funny memories. Yeah, I think tough to turn the page there. I think that's the, that's the price of fame is that at some point it runs out. And then exactly. what do you do with the rest of your life? And you got to have a real sense of who you are outside of it, or you're just going to be chasing that dragon for the rest of your life. And I think that's true of whether you're famous or not, particularly with men. Men associate a lot of their self-worth with whatever their job title is, right or wrong. That's just how men are. And so I think from that level, I empathize for the situation. A couple other stories out of Hollywood with showbiz news. Dolly Parton might say no if President Biden offers her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Why? She wants to be fair. She has never taken a political stand ever in her career, and she turned down President Trump twice for the same award. Once because her husband was sick, the other because of COVID-19 concerns, and she doesn't want the medal to be about politics. And I respect that. Yeah, I think she's she is never she is never even given the hint of which way she goes, right? Um, politically. And finally, 94-year-old Tony Bennett was announced was diagnosed with Alzheimer's back in 2016. He's actually doing really really well. In fact, he has a pianist come over twice a week and they work through a 90-minute set to help his memory. He also has a second album with Lady Gaga scheduled to come out this spring. That's a quick peek as to what's happening in Hollywood.